Josie Thompson and welcome to You Can Shine podcast, where I explore real stories of real people, just like you and I, who have faced adversities and trials and won. Today, I'm here with Noel Lord, affectionately known to his friends as Lordy. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Noel back in 2008 when he came to see me for some executive coaching and boy was he sorry he did that. (laughs) At the time, Noel was a senior executive at Macquarie Bank. We've maintained contact over the years as Noel ventured out into senior executive roles at MetLife, Comsec and MLC and then eventually exploring other business opportunities. Now, Noel Lord is also an accomplished global speaker, covering topics such as sales generation, fostering a growth mindset, and building trust and teamwork within organizations. Noel Lord is partner to Janine and father to Georgia and Adam. And he learned how tough mentally he really could be when he walked the Kokoda Trail in 2002. And on top of all of that, he's an amazing, good-hearted bloke. So welcome, Noel Lord. Hey, Josie. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. I've done a bit of a rundown, Lordy, on some of your career highlights. And this is going to be podcast interview one of two because your story is just so big. Uh, matches your personality really and so we're going to do two interviews so today what we want to know is I guess part one what is the story of adversities that Noel Lord has survived and grown through and how were they formative experiences for you? Yeah and and look having just recently had a significant birthday reflect the time and um, there has been a bit of adversity but all things have sent to challenges but I suppose that the first part of the adversity for me in my life and in my corporate life was the GFC back in 2008, 2009. And as you mentioned, you know, I had um, pretty senior roles in big organisations and a, a lot of the, the focus or the, the, you know, the whole positioning around was, you know, the, the materialistic things of, you know, the title on your business card and what you earned, and bonuses you received and all of that. And that all came crashing down um, significantly through the GSD where, you know, uh, through no fault of my own, but through market conditions um, and, you know, the stars uh, aligned in the opposite to where I wanted to go and ended up finding that uh, basically or, or everything we'd, we'd acquired in wealth management style of things just disappeared. And uh, as a result, you're faced with having lost the things that you're taught to value the most, the materialistic things, um, and you don't have them. And that sense of, of loss or failure or, oh, woe is me, um, can become all-encompassing. And that was the first example for me of dealing with significant adversity because it wasn't just me that it affected. It affected my family as well. And so, Noel, how did that affect you? And how did you recover from that? What, what were the, the practical steps you took to pick yourself up yeah, it's a great question, Josie, because it affected me. In the, in the first way it affected me was this sense of um, I've lost what was most important, and that was the, the money or, or whatever it was. Um, the reality was I hadn't lost anything that was important because I still had the love of my family. I still had the respect of my friends. 
But at times when you focus on the things that are the materialistic things, um, you feel that you've lost the most important things. And it was taking the time to go, you know what? Um, throughout my coaching journey, which you mentioned at the start, um, one of the things that I learned was, you know, comparison is the killer of all joy. Mm. And from that, when I stopped comparing what I had to what I now have, it was like, you know, duck yourself off, wake up yourself, get back on your feet and keep, keep going forward because at the end of the day, you can control your own destiny. Mm. You make it sound so simple, Noel. I'm sure it was not simple. <laughs> what, what was it within you? What did you have to tap into to resource yourself to get through that time? I, I think that for me it was the sense of I had two young kids going to private schools at the time. Um, and, and you know, as you know, with kids, they just they're oblivious to all the things that go on that are challenging or, or the pressures or stress that their parents can face. And it was just also, I think it was my upbringing, you know. Um, my mum and dad were hardworking individuals that, you know, dad was a painter, mum did odd jobs around the grains where we grew up. And it was like, just your lot is your lot, but you, you know, you just have to get on and just get on with it. And for me, it was at that point in time, I still had, still had my health. I had an uh, incredibly uh, supportive wife and family and mates that were mates, not because of who I was or what my business card said, but because of, I suppose, upon reflection, who I am and who I am to them. And so that uh, allowing myself not to be comparing what was and what is now um, and the fact that you can always rebuild. Mm. So it sounds like that was a very significant time of revaluing what was important and then believing in yourself that you could recover and move forward again. It, it was, yeah, it was all of that and, and probably even more, Josie, in the sense that the, the inner drive to not I could, but I will recover and we will get through this and we and we will rebuild. But that journey starts with taking a first step. And as you know, I reached out and we caught up and had coffee and chat. And, and, but a lot of it was also understanding that it's okay not to be okay, which is a bit of a buzz in society, you know, these days. Um, but back then it was, you know, an acceptance of, as much as I have an incredible ego that some people would say from time to time, <laughs> I'm not perfect. Um, and no matter how bad I had it, there's other people that have got worse hurdles that they're facing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that I really admire about you is over the years that when the chips are down, you will reach out and you will ask for support or assistance or, you know, someone to give you a, an objective perspective on what's going on and that creates, you know, that you, you can feel a sense of vulnerability. How did you handle that in acknowledging and admitting that actually I'm not okay right now? How did you get through that? Yeah, that was that was the toughest piece because the the, the outward exterior, if you like, in front of my family, in front of my kids and everything else was, you know, I'm, as you know, and, and your listeners might not know, but I'm six foot eight and 130 odd kilos, and it's a pretty, you know, um, imposing sort of uh, 
pertinent in some people's eyes. But to my kids, it was like, you know, that they would, and I was very conscious that they wouldn't see um, the stress that I was under. Um, and, you know, for Johnine and I, it was, it was incredible to because you have all these dreams and aspirations based on what you've acquired and they can go like that. Um, and, and for me, it was in my own time, there were certain people that I could, I felt I could be transparent with. Mm. And that was really important to have that network. Yeah. And that led you on to a journey to wanting to help other people, right? You went on and did some training. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, I went and did some neuroscience studies um, and colloquially, I, I suppose, uh, internally in my career, in places like Macquarie and others, I became known as the II man, intense and impact, which is something I learned from our coaching. Um, and I just embraced it because to me it was something that showed clarity or provided clarity for me around um, the power of the way that we react and the way we think. And, and that was, that's been a passion ever since. So let me just explain for our listeners what that means, that the intent versus impact, that we often have good intention with the things that we seek out to do, what we say, our actions, but they don't always land the same way. They don't always have the same impact. And that was a wonderful um, opportunity of self-awareness for you to realise that you had this tremendous motivation and desire to achieve outcomes and you hadn't realized the impact that it was having you know pushing people and driving people with that same passion who weren't quite there yeah and 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 the things i've learned and grown as a people manager being able to focus on the impact i'm having in leading teams and helping people in their careers as opposed to the intent and and i remember at times you know work colleague um I had an EA who was, we worked together for a long time and, you know, she would say to people at the time, don't, don't focus on how he said it, focus on the words you say. Yeah. But the reality was that's where I was oblivious to the impact because the impact was creating a disconnect, not a connect. And, and when I sort of, the light switched on with that, uh, it changed me as a person. Uh, it changed me as, um, as a senior executive, if you want to call it that. And, and I think it's also changed me as um, a husband and a father. Wow. So tell me more positive. about that because I'm sure our listeners will want to know about that. How did it impact you as a husband and as a father? Yeah, look, I think the, the thing I learned about intense and impact was it forces you to sit in the other person's shoe. Mm. And, and so, as I said, you know, I'm quite a big bloke, six foot eight, 130 kilos, and quite at times ignorant of that presence in front of other people. And so, you know, um, I remember Johnine saying to me, you know, uh, when it was my, when we felt it was my time to move on from, from Macquarie after 23 years, Johnine would say, you know, when you come home, your kids go and hide because you're always on the phone, you're not present, you're working, you're doing all of this because you think that's what you need to do. So the intent of working hard to create things nice things for the family but the impact was I wasn't present and I wasn't there mm. and being aware of that yeah and then it was something that you said to me about many many years earlier you know prepare for your best meetings when you come home get your mindset around this one more meeting rather than come home and go off into my own you know have a shower sit down have a cup of tea or a beer or whatever 
but come home and be present for an hour, talk to the kids about what they did at school, talk to Jolene about her day and her work, and, and then go and have, you know, the, 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 the downtime if you like. So understanding the impact was really important, and that's how I think it changed me as a father and husband. So then you, you, you left the corporate world and you ventured into business. And it sounds like that, that was quite an experience for you. If I thought the stress of the GFC was, was bad, it paled into absolute insignificance in um, what was you know, a business venture with someone that I'd known for over 20 years. Um, and I'm the sort of person, Josie, that I, I put a lot out to help other people. That's just my natural way. And a lot is based around trust and transparency and accountability. And my business venture was an experience of complete betrayal, complete um, non-transparency, if you can use that term, to the point where having recovered from the GFC as a result of a failed business venture, um, we locked the house. Wow. And let me tell you, that was tough. And it was all because of the betrayal of someone who I'd considered uh, obviously close enough to go into a business with people. Mm. And what did you learn from that experience? Like, what, what was the takeaway from all of that? When you can stand in hindsight now, what was the, yeah. what was the, the key lesson for Noel Lord? Um, I think two things. One was um, be true to yourself, and and I was certainly that throughout that process. But also, um, you know, I go back to something I said before around comparison is a killer of all joy. But for me, that I learned very quickly that there's two circles in my life: one of influence and one of concern. If I can't influence it, don't be concerned by it. And that was particularly important around my perception of how, of, of how others viewed me because people knew that the business venture failed. Um, this, this person had got himself into a heap of trouble um, and my perception walking down the street with people looking at me. But the reality was everybody knew that I had nothing to do with that, but I felt such a complete failure um, and that was pretty tough to try and overcome. But over time, I learned that no one's going to help me as much as I'm going to help myself. And mm. to be proud of and remain true to myself was really, really important. Mm. So how did you help yourself? I think um, I've always been someone who's been a connector and a networker. And uh, um Faced with the adversity, it was where your shoulders up, get out there, do what you've always do what you've done well, and be prepared to ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a tough lesson because I'm always the one that's been wanting to help. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you put your hand up and go, hey, I, I need help. But it doesn't dilute you as an individual saying you need help. It yeah. actually empowers you. And that to me was the big learning. And, you know, um, I had a number of people that were sort of, dare I say it, chomping at the bit to say, Lord, he will help you, just gonna ask him. Mm. Um, but it was allowing myself that vulnerability 
to go and ask. Yeah, yeah. And as a consequence of that, Lord, Lordy, how have you grown? Oh, it's been an incredible time, Josie. Um, so at that time, uh, you know, I, I went back to what do I do really well? Where are my key strengths? What what is it that's going to motivate me to get out of bed every day? Um, and I went and did some more neuroscience study, which for me was allowing myself something that I was passionate about and how I could adapt that to be helping others to be better in what they do. And that was part of um, me now as a people manager and a business manager compared to before doing some neuroscience studies is absolutely chalk and cheese. Yeah. And so how are you using those neuroscience studies now to, you know, help yourself and others? Yeah. So basically um, it's, been a, it's been a journey of discovery for me and that's a bit of a bug statement I know. But So um, I wrote a sales framework and a sales methodology based on neuroscience. I've written... 20,000 words around um, uh, changing buying behaviour and the neuroscience approach to growing sales. And from all of that, I was able to then go to organisations like Comsec and, and MetLife and, and others that I've worked with and, and help them improve their sales methodology and process um, and create a framework which helps others to, if you like, take control of their own career journeys. Wonderful. So, Noel, is there any final nuggets of wisdom based on part one of your interview, talking about the, you know, the GFC and the, the betrayal with the business venture and, you know, being vulnerable, asking for help, and now using what you've learned to really transform sales and cultures within businesses? Is there any final words that you'd like to leave our audiences with today? Yeah, look, I think I've had an incredible career and I've held some pretty senior roles. But the things I've learned is that the only thing that's important is how you conduct yourself and remaining accountable to yourself and, the, and your own values, and that's really important. Don't chase perfection. Chase continuous improvement. And you won't be surprised by this. Focus on your impact, not your intent. <laughs> beautiful I'm very very proud of you you did get something out of that coaching what an inspiration and true light you are in the world Noel you've actually shown us that no matter what the circumstances you actually can rise and shine again so thank you so much my pleasure now if Noel Lord can do it so can you if you like this interview, share your comments below and tell us what you loved about it and make sure you tune in for part two. Help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so that they too can rise and shine. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. You can shine.